This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. It's time now for Green Thumbs in Canterbury, out and about with the Canterbury Horticultural Society. Lay in the rain from Canterbury Horticultural Society. We're out and about in Canterbury and we're going to be talking to Melissa Reimer, who's is a curator of the Taitapu Sculpture Garden. Mm-hmm. And what a huge story Melissa has to tell us. Yes, yeah, very interesting. Well, today I'm talking to Melissa Reimer, who's creator of the Sculpture Garden at Taitapu. Good morning. Good morning, Ray. Now look, how about giving us a bit of background on how you got involved in, in the arts and things like that? Well, I formerly at university, I studied art history and art theory and English and French literature and whatnot. But I think it goes much back, much further back to growing up, growing up in a, a garden with a very creative grandfather who actually went to art school too and was always creating things in the garden like the glass house was made out of all leftover bits and pieces and sculptures to scare off birds to get them off the strawberry plants and things. So there was that. He was also painting all the time. And my parents had a pottery studio at home too and were always potting and creating figurative work out of clay. So it was a very creative environment to grow up in. And I think that sparked the passion. And I don't even recognise it as a passion. It was just your... Every day. It was just what you mm. was normal in those days. Yeah. For you, you know. Yeah. Well, a lot of us grew up in times when our parents did lots more around the garden yes. um, and building things. I suppose scarecrows were the first of the Scare- garden sculptures. Scarecrows were my first sculptures, and I still think they're amazing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You sort of don't think about that, but just think about just the fancy bean frames and everything that... Oh, that, gosh, um, yes. Yeah. Bean frames I find so sculptural. Sometimes when I go to people's homes now and we talk about the right site for a work they've seen, I'm just as interested in the handrails they've put in and the way they've made their spaces because your whole space is a sculptural experience, isn't it? Every, every angle you look at a garden... Um, you're looking for focal points or you're looking for pockets or you're looking for those secret reveals. So everything contributes to that sculptural element of a garden, I think. Yeah, and I guess it, um, in our day, mm-hmm. when we were younger, um, it wasn't sort of a fashion thing in those days, was it? It was, it was basically just something you did because... It was productive. You grew your own vegetables, didn't you? Yeah, that's I right. Know. So Actually, um, yes, my husband does go to places. He's a landscape architect and does a lot of commercial work, but he also does residential, and sometimes he is creating just pretty terraces of things that look good rather than things that feed you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah which, you know, um, seems to have more importance nowadays, yes, doesn't it? It does. So tell me what a sculpture garden is. Well, it can be a lot of things. See, Tai Tapu Sculpture Garden actually started as a pony paddock. So it's one hectare, and Peter and Annabelle there, it's Peter Joyce, whose career is in medicine, and Annabelle Menzies Joyce, who is a landscape architect and artist, and their girls had grown up, the pony paddock was pretty barren and bare, and they thought, look, it's time to rehabilitate that, really. So they planted a small bank down the far corner, and that looked quite good. Peter thought that looked good. 
So we thought I might plant more and more, and, and Annabelle said, just a minute, we need a plan. And so she went up to the top of the subdivision with another friend, artist Jan Chafee, and they looked down and they created a plan of what the land could be shaped like. And this is well before they thought about putting sculptures there. And they just started planting natives, and it did well. I mean, some things failed, it got wet feet, some things got too dry. You have wins and losses along the way, don't you? But his dream soon became to recreate the Potocarp forest that would have been there. Oh, um, fantastic. Yes. fascinating. Yes. And within a decade, over 8,000 natives later, um, it's just gone boom. I thought it was amazing three years in. So they started planting in autumn 2010 and then it became a really lovely project with all the quakes and things like that damaging Christchurch became an even more important project and then Peter just it became his passion to learn more and more about natives and it was very easy for him to pick up the Latin names I think after career in medicine and then he was at an opening at Form Gallery in Christchurch Annabelle and Doug Neal who does the Timaru Bluestone work they were showing together and he said to Doug what do you dream about doing? You know, when you wake up in the night, what kind of sculpture do you really dream about doing? <laughs> and he said, my own version of Stonehenge. I want my rock henge. And Peter gave him the commission. He said, wow, I've got one hectare. We're planting. Let's make it a sculpture garden. Oh, wonderful. So, so the first sculpture was Ah, Stonehenge. Yeah, quite quite spontaneous, and it's called The Rocks, and it's lovely for an artist to be given sort of free reign like mm. that too, mm. not so hemmed in by space or someone else's idea of what something should look like. He just did it, and there was a really beautiful Lou Summers, and you'll know his work because it's you know, always been in public places, this, this figure of four tumbling men, sort of like the form that you have underneath a Chinese dragon if you took away the silks. And they'd seen that and they loved it. And they thought, well, we've got a space for that now. So that got hired onto site, but the ground was soft. I think it was May when we tried to move it in. And um, we had to stop halfway. And then it made it further along later. But still, we weren't thinking about it. Well, they weren't thinking about a sculpture garden at that stage. or well, opening it to the public as such. And then by the time a few more acquisitions had happened and they realised what a space it was... They thought it was time to really share it. And Lou Summers said, well, you'll need a curator. You'll need someone that says yes and no and yes and no and just, because you can't have everything, it becomes cluttered and visually busy and you don't have that coherency. And you want to come across things, don't you? You don't want everything mm. up in your face. That's right. You need to, to have yeah. little secrets and around corners yes, and things. Yeah. exactly. And so, um, I don't know, the next 10 years just flew, and we're about to have our 10th anniversary in wow. March yes. um, of annual autumn exhibitions. And a lot of people that come, some people come because they love sculpture or they love New Zealand art. They just want to be around it to see these small, you know, pieces tucked into groves, or they want to see um, something grand and amazing. Other people are real botanists, and they come to see how the, the plants are doing. Mm. There are ecologists on site all the time. Um, we had a lot of advice way back in the day from Shelley McMurtry and Colin Merck and whatnot have been great out there. It's just great teams of people because there are three ponds on site. And Taitapi Sculpture Garden you know, and Native Regeneration Project is just natives. Up by the house, there are more of the, you know, the fruit trees and the, you know, the odd roadie and whatnot, but the sculpture garden itself is native. So just the only part of the garden that's got 
sculptures is the sculpture garden or well they sneak just in everywhere. Say. <laughs> they sneak in everywhere because with one of the owners being a sculptor yes and having so many friends that are sculptors there's lots of trade and things like that going on too so there are pockets all around the house too which is quite yeah. nice so really a sculpture garden is what sculptures in a garden or yeah well, that's a garden thing. of sculptures or or a sculptural space and you might have one work, you might have one small bronze on a small plinth or a tall plinth that becomes the focal point in your garden. Or you might have four or five tucked around. You know, especially if you've got a property that has avenues, how wonderful to walk down an avenue mm. and lead towards something like that. And mm. everyone's idea of sculpture is different too. Mm. I mean, for some people it's rocks with water pouring over it, and I absolutely agree. And for other people, it's something very figurative and very representational, like an actual portrait mm -hmm. in bronze or in steel. And for other people, it's shapes that mimic nature. And that's what I quite like when the two complement each other and, well, which came first? Mm -hmm. And for some people, it might be about low-maintenance garden, something beautiful to look at, a sculpture that's really interesting and changes in the light. Uh, because, of course, sculpture is so dynamic. Mm -hmm. Unlike a, a painting on a wall in a house, sculpture changes with the weather the time of day. Um, and the perspective. And the perspective. perspective yeah. yeah, exactly, yeah. Ray. And so that, that can be your absolute main focal point. And then you might just have very low planting around that and not much more. You might not want, you know, a lot of garden to take care of as such. Other people have got really dense, dense, beautiful rolling green hills and then, you know, lots of dense planting and sculptures tucked around the corner. You know, a bronze here, a cotton steel piece there. They might have all cubist works. They might have all figures. Um, it can be quite a variety. Mm. but Because there must be a huge variety of different things. I mean, there was a great fashion for the, the um, cows and sheep made out of corrugated oh, iron. I flipping love them. them. And you'll notice yes. I've got a, um, oh, a Hennekin corgi <laughs> yeah. there. And, mm. and that's the thing about sculpture too. Is you, you might only have one sculpture. So, and you can still say you've got a sculpture garden. Mm. Um, Tai Sculpture Garden is obviously pretty impressive because we're building a permanent collection there that people will come and enjoy. Mm. But there are also, in March, we have our annual autumn exhibition and we bring in around 100 works. Yes. And the works there are by some of the stalwarts of the exhibition scene mm. in New Zealand with names like Andrew Drummond and Neil Dawson, Bing Dore and Lou Summers, Alison Erickson. But other people are relatively unknown. We're going to Ara, we're going to um, Islam, and we're looking at what's coming through. We've had performance works and sound works and ephemeral works too. Um, so it's part of that. But sculpture is so personal too. And when I think about this piece here, this little corgi mm -hmm. in yes. recycled metals. So we, um, when my husband's grandmother passed away, she left a small pocket for each grandchild and said, this is not for bills, this is not for mortgages and rates and insurances, this is for something special. And at that time, I was working at Coca Gallery in town, because I worked in several of the galleries, and we had this exhibition on all dogs. And I thought, well, this has got to be it. So I asked him to come along, and he chose the corgi because his grandmother was from that generation who loved oh, the royals, great, yes, yeah. <laughs> great fan of the monarchy, got the monarchy magazine. You know, watch the Queen's speech at Christmas, all these things. So that just resonated for us straight away. So now there's this lovely warmth because we think of her constantly. That's right. And, yeah. and it's lovely. Some people would look at that and think, that's old metal, riveted metal. What's the story there? They want something more creative and crafty, yes. like, you know, a beautiful yeah. hand molded stem by Tim Main. But um, that's so personal yes, isn't it, it? Is. absolutely and what, you, what you love yeah. and what the engineers enjoy engineers love 
you know, very robust and precision, precision cuts, immaculate welds, amazing materials, and one piece. Yeah. Someone else who might be a great rose lover or rhododendron lover wants to see um, softer forms. And of course, in a garden, you want sometimes that absolute contrast between built and created mm. and man-made and nature. And sometimes you want them integrated, you know, when, when the plants start growing all over things. For example, at Thai Tapu Sculpture Garden, we let the cobwebs grow over a lot of the sculptures. Some artists want that, some absolutely said, get it there with a bucket and a, yeah. um, and a brush, please, and clean the spiderwebs off. But it's, it's interesting to see when nature claims the sculpture's bad. That's right. And yes. what nature does to sculpture, mm. how it changes cotton steel and keeps rusting and eroding, yes. or, or sculptures and harakiki flax, you know, when, it, when they just melt away, eventually they dissolve away. They become part of the land that they mm. came from originally. Well, when you do start planning things like a sculpture garden, mm. do you look at specific plants to match things too? Or? Well, that's the thing. See, some people really, really love the very textured look, don't they? The very, um, like, cacti gardens, or yes. I'm a big fan of hosta groves. I think they're just lush, and I love the low mm. planting, and then what can come out of them. So I think some people start with a, with an absolute, you know, what do you call it, clean slate, and they think I want a sculpture, and then they might get advice on planting around that. But for most of the people I've worked with, they've got gardens and they've planted and it's taking shape, and they recognise that they just want another focal point mm. um, when you first come across it or just tucked around a corner. So most gardens I've been to, whether they're the beautiful, beautiful landscapes of Mona Vale which are just a curator's dream, let's face it, because yes. of the seasonal changes with oh, absolutely. the oaks and the maples, mm. and then you might have a lovely native grove of lancewoods, and of course they're so sculptural, so to put something with them, you get a great shape, don't you? Mm. Um, so some of you know those are very established gardens already, and some are new subdivisions in Prebleton and Rolleston where they've got the lawn down, they might have a citrus grove, they might have a, a small vegetable bed here, and they just need more shape, more surprise, and something just to create a bit more human interest mm. as well. Because yes, anything can be a sculptor, can't it? Oh, sculpture. It doesn't have to be a work of... It doesn't have to be a work of art. No. That's the thing. It might be the way that something's artfully arranged. Yes. And I think what's been nice about the visitors we have seen at the Sculpture Garden over the years is how much that has inspired people to not only how think fast things grow, when you've got the right thing in the right place, mm. um, and that might be native or exotic, but just the right thing in the right place will soon let you know, won't it? Absolutely. Um, yes. Yeah, and then and they might just think, actually, I've got a pocket that could be that, I've got a wee patch that could be that, mm. and other people, um, they they're very deliberately looking for a sculpture to enlighten a space yes, or invigorate yeah. a space or, or just a, a whimsical touch. Oh, absolutely. And we do have some whimsical pieces and we have very robust pieces. Mm. But it's amazing the ecologists, the planters, the botanists, the, the garden societies who regularly visit throughout the year so they can see the change of the seasons mm -hmm. too and then come back in March for the show and go, good grief, wow, we just, and this all of a sudden, the space is entirely different yes. with, you know, 100 sculptures on site from pieces that are 400 millimetres tall to pieces that are six metres tall. Yes, yeah. Um, and other people come specifically for the sculpture and just completely fall in love with plants and think, actually, this is quite doable. I, I can do this. I can start planting tomorrow. Just, you know, they say, what's that old Chinese proverb? The best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. 
Well, we usually best that's time right. now. Yeah. Yeah, well, so. If you don't get started now, you're never going to have 20 years ago, yes. are you? So that's just thing. get going. Yeah. So what does science have to do with it? Well, again, that's interesting. We always had this sort of preconceived notion that you needed big spaces for sculpture mm. gardens. And we, we do, I personally don't. We're in a townhouse on the hill and we've got two small pieces. But you can put a very big piece into a small place too. And an example of that is a medical centre in central Otago. I consulted there, not medically. <laughs> I went into the space, so they'd built this beautiful new building. They had all the consulting rooms. They had the helipad. They had great parking outside, lots of accessibility. It was boring. It was boring. And you're arriving, you want to be a bit, I don't know, take a bit of stress out of it, really. Yes. If you go to a medical centre, what will do that art? Um, why art? Because art is the, I will always maintain this, art is the thing that sets us apart as a species because we are the only species on a planet that thought our history was so important and that our stories were so important that we made marks in the caves. Mm. We started drawing on the cave walls 40 million years ago almost, yeah, you know. Yeah, that's right. Um, that, mm. was, that was the first art and this is how we define our existence. So even people who don't love art will soon start to realise that, yes, we can do this, we can build this, we can do that. It's art. And so you arrive at a medical centre, what will make you feel amazing, a piece of art? And they had this tight courtyard onto which a lot of these consulting rooms looked. And they were great because you had the natural light, which you don't always have in consulting rooms. Obviously, you have to have screens for privacy and whatnot mm. too. But for those doctors and patients to be able to look out on this internal courtyard, and it was just concrete. And so what we did is put this huge, huge sphere a great big globe in there and of course round I mean some people like square edges some people like round it's a very easy shape to mm, look at is. and this was very textured and beautiful and it had lichen already growing on it it was like a um a bit like a um those rocks those pancake rocks in a way yes. not pancake rocks the boulders the boulders, the boulders, the boulders, boulders yes at yeah. and um we have got rock works too at the sculpture garden they're like the pancake rocks those slabs and so you've got, you look at it, you think, is that nature or is that a sculpture? Yeah. And all of a sudden the pieces start to come together yeah. and everything seems more interconnected. And what a way to shape that space. And it's huge. Like the, I guess this, the work itself would have been bigger than a big, big dining table. Mm. And this, you probably had about a foot or two either side to move around it. Yeah. It wasn't to move around too. It was just to sort of take just in. Just take in. Yes. So big, big things in small spaces. And small, small things, small things. Mm. small things in a big space that you just come across. Yeah, well, the Japanese are great at that, aren't oh, they? They are. So a little, a little pipe with a little bit of water running down a, um, a, a mossy bank. You know, just yes. tiny little things in corners. And we can do that quite easily in our places, can't we, really? We can do so much. I think people yeah. um, really need to forget um, any ideas of grandeur and come... Visit a place like a sculpture garden. It might be somewhere in a Waiheke, might be one of the ones in Auckland, might be Taitapu Sculpture Garden, and just look around and start to envisage what else what else they might like in their garden, not just to enhance their garden, but to enhance their experience mm. within their garden, um, just the way that something can make you feel. Um, and the Japanese are so good at it. You know, these little, um, what do you call it, the... What are those stony beds they have and the oh, little rakes? And then that, that's like right, said, that all was... those stone gardens and oh. things. And then it's just small areas, mm. and yet they just they look so perfect. And we have so many sculptors too, probably five or six, who have been to Japan and done residencies and are inspired, mm. and then bring those ideas back and reinterpret them for the New Zealand context. And that might be in respect to actually the landscape, 
um, and drainage. Like, yes. You know, you can't just put anything anywhere, can Well, if you? you're lucky, you've got ponds where you can do all sorts oh, of things, can't you? Yes, and that's what we have got. We have got three ponds. But yeah. um, we have a client who would love a water feature and doesn't want doesn't want a stock standard garden centre yeah. um, um, uh, piece. Wants an actual piece by an artist that's carved with water. But then, of course, you've got to think about how much you're going to spend on that and then water erodes Absolutely. so the longevity of the materials and, that's right and yeah. the new zealand landscape and when and, and the new zealand climate's so harsh isn't it if you're coastal do you want caught and steel right by the coast it's going to erode probably a third faster mm. do you want something like stone that will you know over a thousand years well this is the time are we planning for today or tomorrow or a thousand years and if you're chinese well, Japanese, you'd be planning a thousand years ahead, probably. Oh, it's nice that you brought that up because that's Peter Joyce, the founder, the co-founder. That's his sentiment behind this too. He said, "I am planting for a thousand years' time," and I started to think about that the other day when I was doing the dishes at night. Yes, I listened to interesting podcasts from all sorts of different places just yeah. to take out take out the ding ding dong of the <laughs> ceramics and whatnot. And I was thinking, I'd always appreciated the sculpture garden. In that context, we're planting for a thousand years' time. We've got this wonderful Rimu Grove, which is already, already in 10 years, just mm. created such a dark canopy that now we can put different types of sculpture in it, like a light work mm. that is illuminated. Mm. Really mm. interesting, just run power to there. But um, I started thinking about the sculptures and some of the permanent pieces we've put in and that idea that when you buy a sculpture, it's not just something amazing that you're looking at now. You've invested in an artist who's given this their all, who's poured their heart and soul into this piece, whose career is dedicated to making art. And some of those pieces will also be there in a thousand years' time. Mm. I'm thinking about the marble, um, the Timuru blue stone, the bronze. And how amazing is we don't know what this land will do. I mean, New Zealand, goodness, look at the, the way it's changed it's in the last yes. thousand years. Absolutely. And well, the last 300 that we know better, I guess. Yeah. Um, and I think, imagine if they're digging there in a, a thousand years' time, mm. under all these beautiful, um, great big kakateas and this yes. wonderful matai and rimu, and they find pieces of glass? Mm. Do they find entire bronze towers still? Um, yeah. It'll be just really interesting. It would be. What are we saying about our time and what we value and who mm. we are? And it's almost like a time, a time capsule it in, is, in a way, love, isn't it? I mm. absolutely love to think of it like that too. Yeah. Mm. And um, that's not to say that we're not interested in ephemeral pieces too. I mean, oh. I love the idea of pieces that do return to the landscape. Mm. Yeah. Well, it's lovely to, to have um, sculptures that the plants, as you said, um, take to be their own and then yes. just go round them and through them and make them look different, don't oh, they? Oh, exactly. And it's so personal, isn't it? Because sometimes, like I said, I, I love a good hosta grove and maybe a plinth coming out of a hosta grove with a beautiful, soft-edged, warm, tactile bronze work but in other ways like I've noticed with all the lovely native grasses how amazing they look next to Doug Neal's stoneworks because he uses all sorts of things like angle grinders and quite robust tools to etch into the stone and he described his work like Sisyphus you know constantly pushing this boulder up a hill and sometimes the stone speaks to him and tells him put my lines here yeah. and sometimes he has an idea of what he wants how he wants to shape it and sometimes the stone will let you and sometimes it won't and then when you place these finished works down the native grasses, it very much looks like the native grasses mm. have actually etched the work. Mm. And, you know, if you've got it near water, depending whether you've got it near a river or just a pond, you see the river braiding in these works. You see 
it, it just looks like nature has done it sometimes, not the artist. It, yes. it belies how much work has gone into it, it really. Into it. And yet I suppose that's the idea in many ways with um, with a sculpture in the garden, that you like it mm. to represent what the garden is trying to represent. You know, it's trying yes. to be part of the whole thing. Or completely surprise you or too. Completely, because we've yeah. got these bright, bright blue works that look completely out of context and pop and it sort of makes people think, well, what's that here? And that can talk to you about your place in the environment and what you're doing and are you imposing on the environment or are you part of it, are you part of your landscape? Mm. Um, so some people have absolute contrast and some people have really complementary where the sculpture just looks like it grew out of the garden. Yes, yeah. And everything is possible. Yeah, it is. So do you have any particular plants that you like to incorporate in with sculptures? Oh, I do now. I'm, I've con- been converted Mm-hmm. What have you been I converted still love, to? I still love pansies, much to my husband's horror. I love colour. I love yeah. pansies. I love things that attract bees. But of course, we've done that with sage and things like that too, yes. which of course really edible. He likes, um, he loves lancewoods, and I didn't like lancewoods. I thought they were upside down and looked ridiculous. And then when they matured, they looked like teenage girls yes. shaking their hands. I liked nothing about them. But you learn to, you change, change don't you? You, you do, do change mm. and you learn to do appreciate things for what they are and how they fit and you see them thrive and realise that probably the Lance Woods was better than a patch of pansies there. <laughs> so, but I like to think we can have both still. Yes, like, absolutely. I, I still absolutely love the proteas mm. and the leucodendrons and things like this. I find them so sculptural and I love the colour and the shape and the how robust they seem around a sculpture mm. like you know they can soften the edge of a sculpture or they can enliven it can't they so i'm a bit converted now um but i still love my maples yes oh, just, they're they're just all year round the canopies you know, and um and the the branches when they're bare in the winter oh, they're bright red this one out here yeah, and beautiful. out my window mm. bright bright red and then bright yellow in another season and bright mm. green in another season and i love trees um i mean it's it's nice to have evergreen isn't it but i actually love the bones of trees, mm. and I feel like winter, which some people find so stark, I think is one of the most beautiful times of all because mm. suddenly you see the real integrity of a tree, don't you? And of course, against a bright blue sunny sky, oh, which we exactly. have on those wonderful we frosty do. days. Mm. I mean, think about how amazing autumn is. There's something very romantic about summer dying, isn't there? Mm. And that leaf fall and the colour changes and the crunch. And in Christchurch, it's so still. It's our only still month. Yes. <laughs> that you can just walk and you're not being blown about and you start to appreciate gardens in a whole yeah. different way, don't you? Yes. And so that's something nice about sculpture too. You can think about what's in my garden and when do I want to appreciate this sculpture more? Mm. And yes. what kind of shapes do I want to look at at that time? What kind of colours do I want to look at? Yeah. Well, there's a, whole, there's a whole science to it, isn't there, almost? Yes, there is. I mean, there is. I mean, I guess part of that is materials and part of that is scale and dimensions, but I think so much too is subjective. Oh, absolutely. Just do what you just do it and just love it. Yeah, and I say that to people when they come to the sculpture garden too, because sometimes they might have, if they're thinking about investment too, because some, let's face it, the price of sculptures can vary between 400 and, you know, 80,000. It's quite a quite a, a, a breadth there mm. but um, some people are thinking about investment and thinking well I want a piece that will um, increase in value but I think come with an open mind and think about what what talks to you 
what talks to you right there in the context of the sculpture garden, what will talk to you in your own garden, garden. and what mm. really appeals to you. What, when you walk past, do you have to go back and have a look at again? And that's the idea. Mm. That's what you want in your garden too, to be drawn back out again. You don't want to be in the house watching your television no. or, or doing your chores. You want to be in your garden eating as much as possible. Yes. Wrap up warm, even in you know, less, less lovely weather. Yes. And, and go out and just have a look and see what the changes yeah. wreck in your garden because they do, yeah. they do make a big difference, don't oh, they? They do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're going to talk at the Horticultural Society um, in February. So if anybody really wants to learn more about sculpture gardens, they should look on the, the website of the Horticultural Society and get the dates when you're going to be there. Yes, absolutely. And I hope to convert at least 50% of, so. <laughs> of your great people to come along and um, again in March to the Sculpture Garden and just see what's offered and start thinking about their own spaces and is your space giving you everything? Yeah. Because it should be your sanctuary. I mean, people are so busy at their jobs. There's a bit... There's been a bit of a change because we've been working from home a lot more mm, with the mm, pandemic. Mm. People are starting to appreciate their spaces more. Mm. And I have um, friends who are interior designers, for example, who are doing a lot more work again. Um, and But people have started to turn to their gardens and say, well, this is actually my sanctuary. This mm, is where mm. I need to spend my time and my money. We're not going mm. on a huge European jaunts at the moment. No, mm. that's um, right. Hmm. So, yes, I want to convert you all to buy sculptures for your garden. Oh, well, I'm sure there'll be lots of people who'll be very interested, Melissa. Thank you so much for giving us your time. Oh, thank it's you. It's been lovely to talk to you. It's mm. been yeah, fascinating, mm. really fascinating. Well, I thank you yeah. for your time because I would just love to talk about this all day, every day. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Well, thank you so much. Thank you, Ray. Thank you, Lorraine. <laughs> it's a real passion, I can see. 